Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our Good Friday service, Sunday 19th of April, 2019. This evening we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 to 26 and brings us a message entitled, Second Thoughts About the Cross. We turn again to God's Word and some verses from the first letter of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, and then some verses from chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed, you were redeemed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Chapter 2, and reading at verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was any deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And we thank God for his word. One of those moments when you wished there had been a hole in the ground for you to fall into. Had you been in the company, you might have said, I can't believe what he has just said. Or maybe you say something like this, I can't believe what I've just said. Or I can't believe that I thought the way I'm thinking. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, in Matthew chapter 16, where we read from this evening, he began to disclose to his disciples truth regarding his future sufferings. Matthew tells us that from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter's reaction to Christ's words are recorded in verse 22. We're told that the disciple took him aside. And if it were not found in Scripture, we would find it hard to believe. But the Scripture tells us that Peter began to rebuke the Savior, saying, Far be it from you, O Lord, this shall never happen to you. Peter's first thoughts about the cross were earthly rather than heavenly. They were natural rather than spiritual. You see, so far as Peter was concerned, crucifixion spelt doom, disaster, despair. However, when Peter writes his letters, and especially his first letter, his thoughts about the cross have changed dramatically. 
And so if I were to give my meditation tonight a title, I would simply entitle it, Second Thoughts About the Cross. Second Thoughts About the Cross. What is your thinking tonight regarding the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? Some look upon the cross as a symbol of fashion, something to wear around their neck, something to hold on to, hoping that in holding on to it, it'll bring them good fortune or good luck, whatever that means. But our thoughts about the cross tonight need to be centered on the Word of God. And as we read Peter in his letter, we discover that in his second thoughts about the cross, Peter thinks about the costliness of the cross. He tells his readers, you were redeemed, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Here we have Peter's understanding regarding the costliness of the cross. For Peter, earthly payment is silver and gold. And that earthly payment was absolutely useless, ineffective, powerless to bring about our redemption and pay the ransom required to deal with the sinner's debt because of the sinner's sin. While heavenly payment, the precious blood was priceless. And Peter learned that Calvary was no cheap option, but at Calvary, a costly transaction took place. Calvary involved what the German theologian called costly grace. So as Peter thinks about the cross now, he's not thinking in terms of this is not something that Jesus needs to avoid. He's thinking from a perspective that he's so thankful that Jesus did not bypass the cross. And in his thinking, he draws our attention to the costliness of the cross. And then, of course, he draws our attention to the loneliness of the cross. Because in the second chapter, we read these words, He himself, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Calvary was not only costly, but it was lonely. Peter denied him. Judas betrayed him. His enemies abused him. And his friends abandoned him. And worst of all, his father turned his face from him. And in those dark, dark moments, from the depths of his soul, our Lord Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In his temptation in the wilderness, angels came and ministered unto him. In Gethsemane, heaven dispatched an angel to strengthen him. But no angel came to Calvary. And when Jesus died, he died alone. 
He died alone in the thick darkness that shrouded the earth. We often sing those words, don't we? He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary. He suffered. He died alone. Peter's second thoughts about the cross. Draw our attention to the costliness of the cross. Draw our attention to the lowliness of the cross. Draw our attention to the completeness of the cross. Because in verse 18 of 1 Peter 3 we read, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. For Peter, Christ's one sacrifice was enough. It was totally sufficient. God had thought about everything in that one sacrifice for sin. And as Peter thinks again about the cross work of Christ, and as he sees Christ and reflects upon Christ in his suffering, he sees that Calvary needs no supplements. Calvary needs no additions. All that was needed, all that was required, was provided in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that's why there came a moment when Jesus Christ was able to declare, it is finished, tetelastai, finished, completed, done, 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 D-O-N-E, done, done, done perfectly. Finished, Christ cried, where on Calvary he died. So it's done, done, done. We think tonight about the costliness of the cross. We think tonight about the loneliness of the cross. We think tonight about the redemptiveness of the cross. He died the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. How thankful this preacher is tonight to be able to declare that there's a way back to God from the dark path of sin. The door has been opened and we may go in. That Calvary's cross is where we begin. Where we come as sinners to Jesus. Have you done that tonight? Have you humbled yourself before the cross and accepted the authority of God's word? That word that declares all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That there are none of us righteous, no not one. All of us in this gallery tonight are sinners, including the preacher. But there are those who are sinners who have received the grace of God in salvation. And maybe you're a sinner who has never received that grace and is still rejecting that grace. Peter sees Christ going down into the slave market of sin, paying the ransom price demanded not in silver or gold, but in the sinless, spotless blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, bringing the sinner out of that awful slave market and presenting him to the Father, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, redeemed, set free, justified, declared righteous in Christ before a thrice holy God. 
They led him in the tomb. Dead, defeated, destroyed as they thought. It was Friday. It was a dark Friday. It was a despairing Friday. It was a dismal Friday. It was a Friday of death. But Sunday was coming. And on that first Easter morning, the stone was rolled away not to let Christ in, but the inquirer, not to let Christ out, but to let the inquirers in, only to hear that authoritative angelic announcement. He is not here. He is risen. Why? Because the sacrifice was accepted. The price was paid and paid in full. He was born to die. And at the cross we see what that involved. As Peter highlights his second thoughts about the cross. The costliness of the cross. The loneliness of the, the cross. The completeness of the cross. The redemptiveness of the cross. Give me a sight, O Savior, of thy wondrous love to me, of the love that brought thee down to earth to die on Calvary. O make me understand it. O help me take it in, what it meant for thee, the Holy One, to bear away my sin. In Matthew 27, in verse 26, we read these words. Then Pilate released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And that word jumped out from the page in my meditations this week and in my preparation for this evening. They scourged Jesus. It was often referred to as the pre-death death. It was a horrible, horrendous, brutal experience. The individual would have their hands tied behind their backs. They would be bent over. They were tied often to a pole in the center of the praetorium, and then those who were to administer the punishment would take a short wooden pole to which were attached thongs with pieces of either lead or brass or bone, which were attached to the end of the leather thongs, and with the victim's back bared, they would unleash their fury. One historian says, in lesser mortals, it was so severe that the person never went on beyond the flogging. The body was so torn and lacerated that the secular historians tell us that as a result of such evil punishment, deep-seated veins and arteries and sometimes the man's organs became visible. And so they would beat the back of a man until his kidneys became public view. Then they scourged Jesus. Beneath the shadow of the cross tonight, we see the measure of our sin. Beneath the cross tonight, we see the means of our salvation. Without the cross, 
there is no forgiveness. Without the cross, there's no pardon. Without the cross, there's no peace. That the cross, we see the motivation for our service. Wasn't it the great missionary statesman Charles T. Studd who wrote these words when he was questioned as to why he was going back to the place that he believed God had called him to, to face the hardships that he was going to face as an old man dying of a physical illness. Why are you going back? And he responded, If God be Christ and died for me, then there is no sacrifice too great for me to make for him. Nothing affects us deeply as what happens to our children or our grandchildren. And in their book, The Amazing Cross, Jeremy and Elizabeth McCoy refer to an entry into their diary of a mutual friend whose son had experienced great suffering in his early years. It reads as follows. In the first 15 years of his life, our son Ryan had over 30 surgeries. When he was about eight years old, he was in the hospital for another surgery. The medical staff had already given the appropriate dose by way of preparation for the surgery that was about to take place. And they began to roll his surgical bed toward the operating room. As usual, we accompanied him to the two big doors that led to the place where the surgery would take place. That is where we stopped and told him all would be okay for the last time before surgery. This day, as we got to the doors and they opened, he sat up in the bed, looked me in the eyes and pleaded, Daddy, don't let them take me. Daddy, don't let them take me. The father writes, at that moment, my heart was broken. I would have done anything to take him off that bed except for the fact that he had to have surgery. The knowledge didn't ease the pain in my heart. I just stood there trembling as the doors closed and he disappeared. That's when I broke down in tears. It was then I realized how much it cost my Heavenly Father in the giving of his Son. The words of the Savior in the garden came to mind, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Translated into the language of a child, Daddy, Don't let them take me. I allowed the surgeons to take my son for his good. And God allowed the sinful, mocking, evil, hateful, wicked Christ-rejectors to take his son for my good. When they came to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him the costliness of Calvary, the loneliness of Calvary, the completeness of Calvary, the redemptiveness of Calvary. The hymn writer was so true. Calvary covers it all. My past with its sin and shame, my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there and Calvary covers it all. 
as we come to celebrate the death of our Lord Jesus Christ in the breaking of bread. If you're trusting in Christ tonight as Savior, if he is your salvation tonight, he invites you and instructs you to remember him in this is divinely appointed way. And if you do not want to partake of the emblems, just pass them on. No embarrassment will be uh, experienced whatsoever. As we come to this moment in our service, let's stand to sing this lovely song, Oh, to see the dawn.